electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. And we'll follow all of it, Carl. Thanks so much. Our breaking news continues now. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, of course, watching Stocks Today, which have had a remarkable week, as you know. And the other big news, Joe Biden taking the lead in Pennsylvania. You just heard the updates from Carl there, looking to win that state's 20 electoral votes, clinching the White House for him. We'll get to the investment committee in just a sec. First, though, right to Eamon Jabbers with the very latest on where things stand now. Eamon? Yes, yeah, got the official electoral college tally right now. Still where it was yesterday, 253 to 214. Joe Biden still needs those 17 electoral college votes, but we are getting new vote. And what has changed since yesterday is that we now have uh, the president uh, behind in Pennsylvania. There you see Joe Biden with an 8,000 plus vote lead in Pennsylvania. The president also behind in the state of Georgia, 1,584 vote margin. That is a real squeaker uh, in the state of Georgia. The president, uh, needs both of those uh, to advance here. Pennsylvania is the big kahuna. If you get if Joe Biden gets that, this race is over. But take a look, meanwhile, at the state of Arizona, where in the last hour we got a new wave of vote uh, from Maricopa County. Uh, that's in Arizona near Phoenix. That pushed Biden's lead uh, down. Uh, it was just under 44,000, right, right around 44,000. There you see uh, Joe Biden at 50 even. Donald Trump, 48.6. The difference there, 43.779. So uh, the Biden lead holding in Arizona, but has has been wider earlier in the day. In Nevada, similarly, uh, we've been getting new uh, vote throughout the day uh, yesterday uh, and to through to today. There you see Joe Biden ahead, 49.8. Donald Trump, 48.1. The difference there, just over 20,000 votes, guys. So uh, a very close race. Uh, All of this is being watched from Wilmington, Delaware and Biden headquarters. And I can tell you that they're being very cautious in Biden headquarters not to get ahead of this thing. But of course, the transition planning now has been going on for uh, several months. Uh, And what I'm told uh, is that in terms of the economic team for Joe Biden, if he's to win this. Uh, We don't expect to see the Biden team announcing economic figures, Treasury Secretary, National Economic Council Director, uh, right off the bat. We expect uh, that might come closer to December. And they're looking at Biden headquarters at the Obama model from 2008 in terms of a rollout of what the team might look like if he should clinch this thing, which he hasn't done yet. Uh, They're thinking maybe toward December for the economic team. I'm also uh, being told that uh, Biden is likely to want to speak to the nation tonight. uh, And that seems like it won't deviate depending on when and if we get a call in any of these races or overall. So uh, if Biden were to clinch this uh, over the coming hours, I don't think you would see Biden come out uh, during the day. I think we're going to see him uh, at night tonight. But everything is flexible. uh, But that's the current thinking, I'm told, uh, inside Biden headquarters right now, Scott. All right, Eamon. We appreciate that. Uh, Keep our eyes on the vote count, of course. Come back to you as needed. Uh, That's Eamon Jack 
for us with an update. The investment committee, as I mentioned, is with me again today. Steve Weiss, Pete Nigerian, Courtney Gibson is the president of Loop Capital Markets. Amy Raskin is the chief investment officer of the Chevy Chase Trust. It's nice to see everybody in what has been a very big, Pete, week uh, for stocks. Take us through this now of where you think this goes from here. Okay, we're having a little bit of a breather today, but it's been an awfully good week. Dow's up 7% this week. S&P with the same margin. The Nasdaq's been the outperformer up 8.5%. The 100, the same. Small cap's doing well, too. Yeah, and uh, that's, this all follows last week, Scott, that was so terrible. So, yeah, it's been impressive. It's been impressive all week long in this extreme move to the upside. And a lot of it really coming from technology, coming from semiconductors, coming from biotech earlier in the week when we were up as strong as we were on Wednesday. It was a powerful day there. So there's a lot of different uh, areas of the marketplace that are participating, which I think is a good thing. It's good to see the broad participation. We've even had the financials actually kick in a little bit, Scott, along with the industrials. So a nice broad move to the upside this week. And I think it's, it's important to point that out. I realize we do have some strength, obviously, in the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ, and specifically when you're talking about some of those big names that, that didn't fare so well towards the end of last week after earnings, a lot of those names are recovering very nicely, whether you're looking at Apple or Facebook or Amazon or go through the entire list, a nice move to the upside. So that's been very strong and very impressive. I'm just amazed at the volatility, though, Scott. The fact that just a week ago, we closed over 40 and now we're at 26. I mean, just to put that in perspective, just think of that as a stock that's gone from 40 to 26 in a very short period of time. That's an incredible move to the downside. It's just telling you a little bit of something about People are starting to feel a little bit more comfortable about the elections and potentially the results. And I think whether it was one side or the other, I'm not being political here. I'm just saying having some sort of answers very close by. And we just heard from Eamon. Um, it seems like it's getting th that much closer. And that's what people want. They need clarity. They don't like uncertainty. And that's what we've been seeing this week is a little bit more of a path towards clarity, I think, going forward. Weiss, I'm wondering if, you know, we're moving closer to that scenario, which I discussed yesterday at the top of the program, the way that some of the big smart money is thinking about this, the Biden presidency, the Republican Senate, and then you sort of go from there. You're closer to a vaccine. Maybe you don't have as large of a stimulus plan to send interest rates higher. Does that scenario seem to be playing out to you? Do you share the view of some of those I've been speaking with? Yes, and, and that, that's, that's the baseline. Uh, look, I think to Pete's point that, sure, the market likes to have consistency and outcome. And we've gotten that. But the market's also saying we got the right outcome, which is why it's been up on such a such a violent basis just moving up. So I do think that's perfect. Of course, we won't know about the Senate until Georgia has their reelections, the runoff. Uh, but regardless, you don't have this slam dunk uh, Democratic, you know, a, a, a majority in the Senate, which should put some of the people, even though I didn't think it was at risk. Uh, some people at ease about moving to a complete socialist agenda. So here's how I think it plays out. We continue to have a very high caseload, ever-increasing caseload, 117,000 COVID yesterday, which is a one-day record. Uh, the market's not paying attention to that. Why? Because we're getting closer to a vaccine. So you'll get vaccine data this month. To me, I see another move in the market up on that. Maybe it's 3% or so. And I think the baseline case for stimulus right now is a skinny package with the lame duck session. Mm -hmm. And then we get a bigger package next, uh, you know, when Biden takes hold. And keep in mind that the president, regardless of who it is, generally gets their way with the first couple of pieces of legislation. 
So to me, this is the perfect backdrop for the market. You'll see CEOs loosen the pocketbook. There'll be stability in trade. Uh, tech is not going to be under siege every single day, whether it's blacklisting and retaliation. So CEOs, at least the ones I'm talking to that never said publicly, will be willing to spend. And we've missed that capex, which had begun to decline meaningfully in 2019. Look, so, yes, it's a perfect backdrop. Their court were plenty of days in the last couple of weeks. Remember where, you know, when stocks were lower, the headline that we had and we discussed stocks lower on virus concerns. Now, to Steve's point, you know, the market's been distracted pretty heavily by the election, the fallout. We're still counting votes days after Election Day. Um, that's going to finish up. We're going to have either a president-elect or the re-election of Donald Trump when this process is all said and done. The market's then going to get back to the point where you've got 120,000 virus cases uh, per day, a number that continues to escalate. Does the market then get its attention back to what the story was before Election Day? Hey, Scott. Good to see you again, as always, today. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting, right? Um, we're seeing the cases rise, and I do not want to sound not empathetic, and it may come off that way, but I said this several weeks ago, um, and I'm actually okay with the cases rising, and you might look at me like I'm crazy, Scott, because I know I follow you on Twitter as well, and the cases are rising, and it is a problem that cases are rising, but just like in The Hangover, the question is, but did you die? And I know that people have made that case before, but as we move forward, what makes me very optimistic, and I do, I am a half, you know, full kind of girl, as you know, half glass full kind of girl, and I feel as though if we can get a vaccine, and even if we can't, if we can control the bad outcomes, the, the, the bad outcomes from COVID, if we can get these cases down, obviously we'd like to see that, but if we can actually control what happens and be able to adapt a little bit to these rising COVID cases, and hopefully what we'll see is a deceleration in those cases, as long as we can get to a place that allows for some level of control or consistency of being able to navigate this, we will be okay. And I'm not talking about the markets right now. I'm talking about as, as the human race, we will be well, okay. Now, if we start to see people begin to die and there's that death toll rising, then we're not getting it under control. I just don't, as long as we I, can get it under I, control, we can move forward at a pace that makes sense for I, us. I don't know I why it, I don't know why, pardon me, I, I don't know why it has to be a, a, a binary um, and morbid way of discussing this, um, know, you know, it's either death or no death. I mean, 120,000 cases per day. We're not into the winter. The experts on the topic talk about cases just continuing to spread and, and escalate. That may already be and may likely cause a pullback in consumer behavior, regardless of whether, you know, you're looking. Sure, the, the death rates are way down, thank God. Um, but the more cases you have, the more hospitalizations you have, the more hospitalizations you have, the more deaths you have. The real question is to what degree do consumers pull back, if at all, as these numbers continue to climb, you stop talking about electoral vote numbers and you start talking once again about virus case numbers, which are now in the triple digit hundreds of thousands. So I, I'm not gonna be political here, but Getting control of the virus, as I said, is what is going to be key. Hospitalizations, if they go up, 
right? We now are better than we were in March and April. Our healthcare workers are doing a phenomenal job. They've adapted, they've adjusted. We've learned how to treat the virus. And, I, and I'm of the mindset of, I wish we had a cure versus a vaccine, but I don't control this, right? And I'm not a doctor. But if we can get it to a point where we are no longer wondering how to manage this virus, consumers get more comfortable. People start going back out. We're seeing consumer spending habits being okay. We're even seeing unemployment coming back as we saw this morning, right? So I think as people learn to adapt and adjust, they get more comfortable with their wallets. And we're seeing that as we move forward. You're seeing with Uber today, which is a name I've loved for a long time, you're seeing people taking rides again. You're seeing people buy coffee again. You're seeing our our people actually adjusting and adapting to what is unfortunately a potential new norm um, for at least a time being. And, okay. and I'm okay with that as long as we get control of what's going on and learn how to adapt and adjust. All right. Well, I mean, at this moment, we seem a long way from getting control of it. We'll see what happens. Um, Amy, you know, I had a conversation on election night or sort of we into the morning hours of the day after on Wednesday morning with Scott Minard. And I was surprised to get his take on the market in terms of we've come a long way as to whether we're too expensive here, whether valuations are too rich. Let's listen to Scott Minard, and I'd like you to react to him on the other side. I've come to understand that uh, given the uh, liquidity that's coming into the market based upon the support of uh, the bond market and uh, you know other markets by the Federal Reserve, that all this liquidity has to go somewhere. And uh, when you look at uh, valuations on stocks uh, versus um, uh, where we uh, you know versus uh, what bond yields are, uh, the valuation makes a lot of sense. Now you know I don't know about you, Amy, but somebody like Scott Minard coming out the other night and saying that valuation makes a lot of sense certainly took me aback because I wasn't expecting to hear him say it based on his prior market views. However, doesn't his view make sense? It's almost like liquidity trumps everything else. Liquidity trumps everything else in the short run. And um, I don't disagree with anything Steve said earlier in the short run. I think the market could still go higher. Um, but in the long run, um, valuation matters. Um, as I, I've said this morning, um, elections matter in the short run. They don't matter in the long run. Um, valuation doesn't matter in the short run, but it does matter in the long run. We're at record price to sales ratios now. We're at record price to GDI, you know, Warren Buffett's metrics right now. Based on his history, stocks are lower one, three, five, even nine years out from the valuation levels that we're at right now. I know interest rates have changed um, and that does give it, that does make valuations more attractive relatively, but it doesn't mean that everything can't go down um, and that you can have bond deals rise and stocks go down and which in which case you lose money in both asset classes. I know that's not a particularly cheery outlook, um, but given where we are in terms of valuations, um, I think it has to be said. You know, what I find so interesting right now is that almost every scenario that people are talking about is an optimistic scenario. We're going to get a big stimulus package, which, you know, I've been hearing now for five months. We're going to get a vaccine, again, which we've been hearing for a long time. Yes, at some point, all these things will happen, but it, it 
does feel like at every turn you're trying to, people are spinning it a win-win situation. It's win if Biden wins and we get a blue wave. It's a win if we have divided government. Um, you typically hear those scenarios, these win-win scenarios at tops. Yeah. No, it's an interesting thought. Um, I do appreciate your perspective on that. Let's bring in another one uh, into the conversation. Paul Richards is joining us now. He's the president of Medley Global Advisors, somebody we haven't seen in a long time. I haven't talked to you, Paul. I hope you've been well. It's great to have your voice on the show today. It's good. I'm good. Thanks. Hope you've heard the conversation. Um, what, what's your view? Uh, you can start out on valuation of this market, if you'd like, relative to something you watch an awful lot, interest rates, which despite this move higher we had on election night, have now pulled back? My view at present, Scott, is that for all the optimism and concern about actually getting over-optimistic over that the panel's been speaking about, it was just 10 days ago the market was incredibly negative. It was negative primarily because they were worried about this election. Now, I think the election is over. Um, I think we have a Nirvana situation, but I think we now need a reset. And I think the reset means... We're on borrowed time on stimulus. We're eight months into massive fiscal and monetary stimulus, such as we've never seen in 100 years. And the clock is ticking. All that stimulus brought us, it brought us the time to see whether we can resolve COVID. I don't think, per the previous speaker, it's about living with it. It's about resolving it. And to resolve it, you've got to travel. You've got to get out there safely again, particularly in the winter. And for that, I think we need a vaccine. My view is that market valuation at present is spot on. It's optimistic. It's good. It's got a lot of hope of a vaccine in it. Now we need affirmation of the vaccine. And I think in four to six weeks, we're going to know it. I personally have been very positive on a potential outcome from the vaccine, just because the wording that we're hearing from medical companies is so positive. I think that an affirmation of a vaccine will see the market pop 10% into year end. And if, but if one of these medical companies comes out and says, look, we're sorry, but it didn't work, the market could fall 20%. It's that binary and it's that skewed an outcome, Scott. Yeah. Oh, I, I think that makes sense. Um, in fact, your numbers may be low on either direction based on that binary outcome, particularly if there's a disappointment regarding the vaccine, a 20% decline in stocks may prove to be somewhat conservative. What about this idea of what the market seems to have gotten itself prepared for, and that is the Biden presidency, the Republican Senate. You're going to get stimulus, maybe not as, as large. Certainly the commentary this morning from the majority leader, Mitch McConnell, suggests that he's not in the mood to do anything large, if at all, based on where the employment numbers are. You know, the tax hikes that have been talked about, cap gains, corporate rates going up to 28. You know, maybe everything is dialed back and gridlock becomes good. Yeah, the difference with that one, Scott, I think very good points, but I think the difference is you're dealing with a different, probably a more moderate and more of a negotiator in the White House if you've got a President Biden. I do think Pelosi might have gambled a little bit too far with respect to not taking 1.8. And I think in reality, if they do a lame duck deal, it might make sense. The trouble is, I don't think President Trump wants to sign off on anything between now and January. He, his mind is very, very different. He's trying to keep his job, whereas the market's saying, look, we're sorry, but you've lost it. Um, I actually think we're going to struggle even to get a lame duck deal, which I think is tough for society. But I think you'll see a better deal, a more constructive deal once Biden comes in post-inauguration. And then actually, I think we might get a period of healing, both in society and markets, where we see a little bit more bipartisanship, such that we haven't seen in the last four years. 
I mean, McConnell's going to fight that White House and fight Pelosi every step of the way. But I do think even the Republicans realize there needs to be something a little bit more constructive than yeah. what we've seen. So I, I'm more constructive going forward than perhaps the market's concerned about. I know, I know the types of investors that you speak with. When they ask you sort of what's the most attractive asset class to be laser focused on today, what do you tell them? Well, I've had like five of those questions in the last three or four days, and I say the same thing every time. Stay long stocks if you believe a vaccine is going to work. And then if it works, stay long stocks for about eight to nine months. But then you need to put interest rate risk into it because there's a lot of fiscal and monetary stimulus out there that arguably could be way too much in nine to 12 months' time if you get this massive V-shaped euphoric recovery that I think we're going to see in 2021. So I'm saying you're fine until around early summer next year. Then you've got to rethink your, your asset mix. Interesting. Uh, Steve Weiss, you have something for Paul Richards? Yeah, Paul, a couple of questions for you. Uh, if stimulus gets pulled back, it's going to be because the economy is working better. And I like your point about Biden and being a better negotiator. But you also have what's likely a one-term president. So the Republicans, like the Democrats did with Obama, and the Republican, and, and like the Republicans rather did with Obama, and the Democrats did with Trump, they're not going to be fighting a re-election campaign from day one. So I think that makes the prospects of any type of legislation better. And also, you will have a situation, I believe, where it doesn't matter what Trump wants to do with the, with the skinny deal. The House and the Senate and McConnell said it's our priority to get a deal done on 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 COVID. They'll put something to him that he'd then have to veto. So have you thought about those conclusions that that, yes, the economy pick up substantial steam and that's why stimulus be pulled back. S&P valuations won't be so bad at that point and the markets will go past the nine months because bonds still won't be a great place to put money. Yeah, so look, two good points. First of all, on, on the one-termer, I don't view it as a one-termer. I think the Democrats are trying to get two terms, but they're just going to split who's sitting in that seat between basically Harris and Biden. So to me, they're looking long-term. They just know it's not going to be Biden on the second term. And to the second point, Steve, I, I think the reality is, is that they will try to get some lame duck deal together but it's going to be at a point where they know that Trump has basically admitted defeat. Now, I don't see him in that point for another three to four weeks. So I don't think we're going to see a lame duck deal probably for another three or four weeks, certainly post Thanksgiving. And when it happens, I think it'll be a positive event for markets. Um, and arguably, per your point, looking even at the employment data today, although you've still got 10 million people unemployed, the economy is doing better. If you could then tick the box that from a vaccine perspective, the world's going to look better in six to nine months' time because when we've got something in our arms, then I think that the economy is great and we don't need as much stimulus. So I basically agree with you on, on most of those points, actually. Yeah, um, everything's going to still be figured out, not the least of which is the election. Paul, it's great to see you. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll talk to you again soon. Paul Richards, Medley, uh, Global Advisors with us. Let's go through some of your, your moves, guys, uh, in the first segment of our, our program before we take our first break. I like to do that. Um, Courtney, you bought Starbucks. Tell us mm -hmm. why. Well, Scott, you know, I've been a fan of that name for a very, very long time. I've been in and out of it. But, you know, again, strong management team. So when we talk about kind of getting away from the macro news, which you can't really do too much of, 
there are some opportunities in consumer discretionaries and consumer staples in financials across sectors if you can find those names and that's what good investors are doing that's what strong institutional and retail investors are doing and with starbucks Look at what's happening in China. 99% of their stores are reopened. You're seeing Starbucks reinvesting during a pandemic, right? And so when you see them opening almost 300 stores in the fourth quarter alone, that says to me, this company sees the benefit of not only kind of the short-term view of of making the digital adjustments they're making and all those great things, but the long-term investment in their business. And I like it. And I like it a lot. Okay. So that's Starbucks there. Uh, Steve Weiss? You have some moves today. What'd you do with Caterpillar? That's pretty interesting for coming from you. Yeah, it was a trade. It's funny. I was talking to Farmer Jim about it and said, I think I'm going to trade some Caterpillar here on, on Wednesday. And uh, stock was already up. He said, it's a great idea. So that's all I needed. But sold it out <laughs> this morning. Uh, I, I, I don't believe that it's a... Um, I, I just don't believe in the long-term value versus tech. So my t- core tech positions are what's going to uh, continue to be there, which I, frankly, I, I put a lot more money into those core positions. So wait, and came back into Corvo. I'm, with you. I'm, I'm confused. Good. I'm confused for a second. So you bought and sold Caterpillar today? No, I bought Caterpillar on Wednesday and I sold it this oh, morning. Oh, you bought it this morning. Okay. I'm sorry. I was confused by, by, by the notes. Yeah. Well, that was a short-lived no, I sold stay. it this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's you sold trade. it. You sold it. No, I, I got you. I got you. I just misread, I misread the note. My, my, my apologies. Uh, you could finish up. And Courtney loves the trade, apparently, too. Yeah. That- no, I, I love his, his comments on tech. Absolutely. I added to that, too, on the 30th. Yeah. Weiss? Yeah. I, 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 I got very long tech. The Skyworks quarter was, I thought, a phenomenal quarter. So I bought more when traded down inexplicably, had a long conversation with the company. I went it, back It wouldn't have Corvo. been inexplicably if you would have listened to me. Right? <laughs> I told you it was going to happen so, ahead of the number, didn't I? Maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I've been there. It's, it's been a core position, but now it's, it's so much more than a core position. Qualcomm added to that as well. Uh, the trends are so obvious. Corvo, I went back into, into that. Phenomenal company. Uh, I added to Baba too early on the day they pulled Ant, so it went down. I added some more yesterday when it sold off in the quarter. Um, I just can't get away from tech. It's the growth. The trends are there. They're not going away. Some were pulled forward, but they were also adopted by such a broader base globally. You're going from 250 million cell phones, maybe this year, to 500, 550 next year. And guess what? You take a company like Skyworks, where 100% of their business was mobile phones. Now 30% of that business is the Internet of Things, including autos, the Peloton bike, you know, the, the routers that you buy from Amazon. It's all over. Corvo, the same thing. They're in the defense industry. So the world's got to start thinking of these companies differently. And again, I know I'm boring you. 5G is driving all of this because it just has so many more capabilities than 4G. Yeah, you love that 5G story uh, for good reason. All right, we'll take a quick break. Straight ahead, the trades on some of today's big earnings movers, including CVS. We'll look ahead to Disney and DraftKings next week. Guess still got some earnings coming through next week. I know we've all been distracted by the election. But a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app as well. We're back after this.
Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit odfl.com to learn more. All right, we're back on the Halftime Report. Let's get to Kate Rogers now. She's in Reno, Nevada, with more context into the vote counting there. Hi, Kate. Hi, Scott. That's right. Well, former Vice President Biden is widening his lead over President Trump here in Nevada, now to about a lead of 21,000 votes. We should note the Secretary of State says there's still about 140,000 ballots to be calculated and that the counting can continue through the weekend. In the all-important Clark County, 91% of the vote now in Biden leading with 53.6% of the vote, Trump at 44.7. The results in Clark County, not that surprising. It is home to Las Vegas. It's a Democratic area. Beyond that, the bulk of these are mail-in ballots. Results from the county just reported have trended heavily towards Vice President Biden as they have nationwide. Not trending well for the president here in the state, but his team really doing whatever they can to stay in the race. The Trump campaign still has not filed the lawsuit they said was coming yesterday saying there were 10,000 non-residents who voted in the election, but two Republican congressional candidates in the state did file something similar. They allege 3,000 ballots cast by ineligible individuals. For what it's worth, though, the lawsuit doesn't ask the court to do anything but stop the county from using automatic technology to perform signature matching on ballot envelopes and to provide more access to election count observers. We're going to hear from the Clark County Registrar, Joe Gloria, in the next hour. And, of course, we will bring you any updates we get from the city. state here, guys. Back over to you. All right, Kate Rogers, appreciate that. Six electoral votes still up for grabs there. Let's get to Sue Herrera now with the other election headlines. Hi, Sue. Hello, Scott. Hello, everybody. And we continue our election update with the focus now on the other key battleground states. Joe Biden's lead is growing slightly in Arizona to nearly 44,000 votes as Biden stays ahead in this battleground state. Also in Arizona, NBC says Mark Kelly is the projected winner in that state's Senate race. It's a gain for Democrats, and it leaves each party with 48 seats in the Senate with four races still undecided. Meantime, in Philadelphia, dueling protests being held by supporters of President Trump and Joe Biden, some in the Trump demonstrations calling for the vote count to stop. Biden supporters are calling for every vote to be counted. Biden's lead in Pennsylvania growing just slightly. Biden now leading by more than 9,700 votes after trailing Trump earlier this morning. You are up to date. That's the election update. Scotty, back to you. All right. Appreciate that, Sue. Thank you, Sue Herrera. Let's hit more of the earnings movers now. There are many uh, household names that are on the move. Uh, Peloton, let's, um, let's do that one first. Weiss, you own that. I do. I do. So, uh, so I had sold Peloton at 133 cost of the show. I bought it back at 112, very small. And then this morning, uh, the stock started down initially, but I really didn't buy it there. When I got an email from the company saying there'll be no Black Friday sales because demand is so strong, capacity is so tight, I went and bought it. Now, I'm losing a little money in that trade, but I think that the market will come around to realize there's still momentum here. So, so I'm sticking with it, but this is a trade right now because I think it's getting kind of frothy up here. 30 billion or so for this company is quite a bit. They'll grow into it eventually, but I think there'll be lots of bumps along the way. All right, Square was a beat. Court, you own that. 
I absolutely do. And we actually cover the name at Loop Capital um, in our research group. I love the name. I've loved it for a while. I got in the trade a little later than I would have liked, but I absolutely love the fact that they figured out a way to profitability on Cash App. I know a lot of investors have concern around kind of valuation and the path to profitability and maintaining it. But again, this is a fintech name. I love fintech, and I think Square is doing an awesome, awesome job right now for the short term, and they're positioning for the long term, which I really like to see. Pete, it's too bad the Farmer Jim's not with us today uh, because of Roku. You know, uh, I know you don't own it. Um, are you tempted right. to play there at all? I'm tempted, Scott, but I got to tell you something. I mean, this thing has been an absolute rocket ship. You got to love the performance that you've gotten here. But at some point in time, when does that party start to end? I mean, it's been incredible. They've delivered. They've done everything they're supposed to do. I'm not saying they're not doing that. But at 250 bucks a share right now, you just kind of wonder, are they a little bit frothy? I mean, Steve was just talking about frothy and a couple of these other names, Square, a little bit frothy in some cases, some of these names. But I think this one is in that category as well. Great company. They're doing everything right. Streaming's absolutely on fire. We all know that. I mean, the pandemic has been great for Peloton. It's been great for a lot of these various companies. And obviously, it's been extremely uh, great for Roku as well. But I'd love to be in there, Scott. I'm just not in there right now. Yeah, big week, uh, Courtney, for Uber. Culminating today, earnings, um, IPO price of 45 bucks. Sure seen that is. in a while, right? No. You ever think, we were gonna, ever think we were going to get back there? I did, actually. And I know that sounds, it's one of the names I've, I've had conviction in. Um, another name we cover at Loop Capital Markets. But, you know, this is a company that has changed how we do transportation. And it, changes, and it changed how we eat. Like, how often do you find companies that have morphed in that way and continue to innovate, continue to cut costs in order to be profitable? Proposition 22 in their favor. I mean, this is just a name that, again, even though it's broken through that IPO price, uh, I wish it would have happened a long time ago, but I'm glad it's happened now, and I think it's got a ton more to run. Yeah. I mean, look, you've needed patience in it, and you haven't wavered, um, and I appreciate that. Uh, that is Uber, and that's Courtney. All right, CVS, Amy Raskin, you like the valuation, you say? I do. Um, you have Square at 300 times earnings, Peloton at almost infinite times earnings, um, CVS at eight times earnings with a 3.3% yield. Um, I own a lot of molecular medicine related healthcare names, but this is good diversity in my healthcare holdings. It hasn't had a great year, but it's helping out today. All right, Pete, when? Um, I think you used to own the stock. Maybe now you're just playing the options. I am. As a matter of fact, we had this for unusual, Scott, on Wednesday. Stock was trading just above 76 bucks a share. Um, they were buying the December 77 and a half calls. Well, they were buying those pretty aggressively. Stock did go up. And even today, after those earnings, they missed, they missed, they did everything that the, you would not want to hear from an earnings. But what you do like to see is when you've got all that negativity, and meanwhile, the stock is off the lows and starting to back out to approach $80 a share. That says something about what people's uh, uh, appetite is right now for this company. So they've got to show improvements in Macau. There's no doubt about it. They have not been able to do that yet. But it looks like somebody out there seems to think that maybe they can over the next uh, month or so to, to see that because we are seeing that stock kind of rally off of the lows to where it is right now. And I think these calls, I'm still holding these calls. They're December calls, so we'll see what happens with those. All right. Yes, we will. We'll bounce for a couple, and then we'll talk about this mystery chart. It's a housing stock. It surged more than 170% in just six months. A bullish call on it today. We'll debate. We'll discuss. We'll do it next.
What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. All right, we're back. Take a look at that chart. Our mystery chart is a mystery no more. Zillow, it's up better than 13%. Upgraded today, outperformed. That's from Sector Perform, RBC. Target to 147. That from 74. That's a big jump. Steve Weiss, you own it, and I know you're glad you do. Yes, uh, it's amazing to me how these stocks, so many of them are up, you know, 10 to 20% on earnings. It's, that's billions dollars market cap. Look, I own this because when I bought, I bought this, relatively early uh, in the 80s, early now, when I bought the, um, the XHB, because it's a housing play. I sold that, I sold the ITB, but I held on to this, because this has a little more growth to it, a little more pop. It's a fully integrated home buying solution. You can sell your home on here, you could buy a home on here. You advertise on here, brokers advertise, helps brokers run their business, and they've got a business that buys and sells homes that's underperformed. But there's a company, Open Door, that when they went public, people looked at the margins and they said, wow, look at what they're doing in some markets. Zillow can get there, and guess what? Zillow is working their way there. So while the valuation is extremely high, Tammy's point and the others, and to me the difference between this and CVS is that, Zillow has executed. So as long as they execute, the multiple will stay there. When CVS starts executing, which they haven't for years, the multiple will get higher. However, CVS is much lower risk. This, if they miss a quarter, well, it's really look out below. But I'm highly confident with momentum in the housing market that this will continue to climb. Courtney, so that's did, why I own Zillow uh, and staying. I'm sorry, Steve. Courtney, does the momentum in housing continue? I mean, you, you own Toll Brothers. And I, I absolutely think it continues. I think people got a taste of what work from home looks and feels like in one space, and they might have gotten a taste of what it looks and feels like in a little bit of a larger space. They probably want to move that route. Millennials are absolutely looking to continue to upsize their homes, move out a little bit further. I think with interest rates being low, uh, supply being low, and demand remaining high, this is this is another name that you want to be in um, for at least a little while as we move into uh, 2021. If things do get better, which I hope and believe they will, this name will also soar in well past kind of its, its 52-week high. Okay, good stuff there. Up next, Pete has unusual activity. 
and he has two names on my list, so stay tuned for that. There's the S&P sector heat map today on this Friday. The S&P is down four and a half. Healthcare is at the top of the heap today. The half is back in just two minutes. All right, Pete, time for unusual. I undersold you, too. I said you only have two today, oh, and you actually have a triple play for us. My bad. Yeah, I'm, get, I'm giving. No, it's all good. It's a triple play for you. Abercrombie & Fitch is the very first name, Scott. The stock was trading just below $16 a share, and they aggressively came in there with a big buyer of 10000 of the December. So they're getting a little bit of time here. The December 16 calls. Earlier in the week, they were buying the December 15 calls. So they've hit this name twice already this week. Pretty aggressive buying in there. They're trading for about $1.50 on those calls. Next, I've got for you Kronos Group. Now, the, the cannabis world is absolutely on fire today as Aurora Cannabis was being bought early on. That stock's already off to the races. But in this one, in Kronos, they were buying the November 8 calls that expire this coming Friday. Those are fairly inexpensive. They're about 50 cents or so, Scott, is what they were going for. About 3,000 of those were trading. Let me give you the last one, which is Marvell. Now, Marvell, stock was trading right around 43. They aggressively came after these calls. They were buying in a big, big numbers here. 7,500 of the December 46 calls there, going for about a buck 60. That's a big trade. The buck 60 multiplied by the volume they're seeing there. That's a very high dollar amount trade there. So I love what we're seeing in all three of these, and I've been buying calls across the board. Yeah, quickly, though, Weiss, you're, you're out of your market. Marvel calls yeah. now, right? Well, I, I'd been short the stock based upon the. Oh, you R, were short the stock. So I covered all my short positions, and and I still own In Five, which of course Marvel's buying. It, it, tremendous story, and you got an upgrade in AMD. You should get some upgrades if there are any left to happen in Marvel as well. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, Steve. Thank you, Pete. Huge, of course. Huge paper in AMD, by the way. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Pete, uh, for that. A uh, lot of eyes on Arizona today. The vote count continuing there, Maricopa County is the focus of a lot of that, uh, the Phoenix area. Our Jane Wells is live for us there. Hi, Jane. Hey, Scott, just a quick update on what's going on right now. We've got this very passionate uh, but peaceful uh, rally for the president here. A few hundred people who've been out here for over an hour now, uh, wanting to make sure all the votes are counted. Sir, sir, why, why are you out here? I'm out here today because I really firmly believe they're stealing this election. I've seen Trump signs everywhere around Arizona. The rallies have been huge, and Biden gets 30 people and he wins. Do you have any it evidence? Stinks. Do you have any evidence? No, I'm just a common citizen. I have no evidence. Thank you for chatting with us. I appreciate that, sir. So this has been the big issue here in Arizona. As Trump has continued to tighten, uh, catch up a little bit with Biden, they're now separated by about 44,000 votes. As more votes are coming in, he may not be getting enough of these new votes to surpass him. But the big concern is about what they call Sharpie gate, uh, Scott. People say using their Sharpies, uh, it bled through, their ballots were rejected. The state is saying that is fake news and that, in fact, if people want to watch their votes being counted, they just put out these signs. This is Spanish on this side, English on the side. That's All, the, all of them are English facing the protesters. You can watch, actually, if you do this you know, QR code, you can actually watch inside here, Maricopa County, where they are counting the ballots. They have several cameras inside, so they're hoping that may help people believe the votes are not being stolen. Back to you. Passionate but peaceful. Uh, that's a good thing. Jane Wells, 
Thank you. There's a live uh, shot right there of uh, of the board. Maricopa County, that's where we're looking for the votes. Uh, heavily skewed, well, not heavily, towards uh, the vice president. 50.9%, the difference of 60,000 in Maricopa County. 93% in, uh, that certainly is the focus of a lot of attention there. 11 electoral votes up for grabs in the state of Arizona. All right, let's move on. The dollar is sinking to its lowest level in two months. We'll find out how the futures traders are playing that move. We'll do it next. Time now for the futures outlook. Dollar under pressure today, falling to its lowest level since September. Let's bring in Brian Stutland, Scott Nations. Scott Nations, you first. We talked about all sorts of things today. We didn't talk about currencies yet. No, and it's really disappointing for the dollar. Lowest level since, a, since the dollar index dropped below 92 on September 1st. Scott, you can't blame rates here because the 10-year the yield in Germany is minus 62 basis points while it's actually ticked up a little bit here in the United States. So I think the whole problem is COVID. The, the spike here and in, in Western Europe, are they're going to pressure all of those currencies, including the dollar, including the euro currency. Uh, I think Asia's going to do really well as far as currencies are concerned, particularly the, the yuan. If, if Joe Biden is a little less belligerent with China, then the yuan's going to do really well over the next few months. All right, Stutz, what you got for us? Yeah, I think it is COVID like Scott talked about. And if you look at some of the technicals, we're now hitting a second topping pattern. One thing we know is traders don't like the dollar above 100. And if you look at what happened in 2017-18, we're sort of in the same downward pattern here. I'm looking at 91.69. That's a support level right below here. If this pattern repeats itself and breaks below, I'd almost have a stop sell order just in below that level because 88.11 is the next level down of level of support. So let's see if we can hold that level. But if we look at fiat currency and how that's trading, you can look no further than Bitcoin, see what that's done over the last couple of weeks, ramping up higher, showing weakness in fiat currencies, movement into the Asian currencies like Scott talked about. So watch that 91.69 level. We will indeed. Brian Stutland, Scott Nations, have a good weekend. Take a quick break, final trades after that. Final trades in just a minute, but we do have new numbers from the state of Pennsylvania. It's 20 electoral votes still up for grabs. NBC News saying still too close to call. However, we do have an updated number. The vice president's lead there now increasing, albeit slightly. The difference now, 12,000. 390 in favor of Vice President Joe Biden. That's 49.5% to the president's 49.3%. We'll be back right after this with Final Trades. All right, we're back. Time for Final Trades. Steve Weiss, why don't you start us off today? This is a new position, IFF, International Flavors and Fragrances. They bought DuPont's nutrition and biosciences business the stock's at 135 when they did it. It's now trading about 106, yet the company's significantly more valued. Deal closes Q1. Analysts raise their estimates. I like this as a near-core position. Okay, I need names from everybody else. Amy, and then Courtney, and then Pete. BGP, it's a European REIT, 15 times earning, 1.7% yield. Good growth in front of it. Court? Bam. Uh, love asset managers, $550 billion in assets under management. Okay, and they okay. Pete? Pete? AMD, Scott. AMD, they keep buying calls. All right, thanks, everybody. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC.
At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.